Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for singing loud. You know, it's good practice. Making a big deal about God is going to be something we should get used to. Right? If we know we have the hope of heaven. And I think it's going to be a lot easier when we get there because it's going to be so overwhelming. Right? When we're in the presence of God that the response to his presence is going to make it a little easier maybe. I don't think we'll be worried about uh, whether our neighbor's on pitch or they can hear us sing or any of those things, you know? That joyful noise thing's going to be real. And all the people, you know, you silently make fun of who can't sing, is going to be a sweet sound of Jesus. It's going to be a sweet sound of Jesus. Welcome to everybody who's uh, watching the live stream too. We're glad you're with us today. We're in the book of Nehemiah. If you weren't here last week, we talked through Nehemiah chapter 1. And we talked about the overview and gave the understanding. There were three leaders leading up to Nehemiah. He was the third. Zerubbabel rebuilt the temple. Uh, There was uh, Ezra who rebuilt the community, right? And then Nehemiah was called to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. They all have similar stories, all with great hope ending in great disappointment. Real uplifting stories. Y'all are awake. That's good. We're going to have some fun today. And we talked about how true revival, see, Nehemiah was stirred up. You remember that? He was stirred up for his people, the nation of Israel. He was stirred up for this great city of God, Jerusalem. And he was stirred up because it was in shambles and he wanted to do something about it. And he spent four months praying and fasting, figuring out what to do. You remember that? And we talked about how if we're going to have true revival and a renewal and rebuilding, that's going to have to be preceded by true repentance and prayer. If we're going to see anything happen in this nation, in the world, we had to check ourselves first, right? They had to renew us to start in our own heart, but it has to be preceded by repentance and prayer. And what we're going to talk about today, I'm not that good at. I'm just going to put that on the table up front. I need to work on it. I'm not great at what we're talking about. And so my hope is that you will be encouraged as I have been encouraged. And some of you will finally go, he finally gets it. And hopefully we can move forward together in a way that is mutually beneficial. Because my tendency is to procrastinate. Anybody else? Can I get an amen? How many of you all wait to the end? It drives other people just nuts. Huh? Because you're like, I got this. I got this. And you get to the end and somehow you might squeak it out. You know what I mean? On the normal day-to-day stuff... Procrastination, all the students in them, I saw some nodding heads going like this. Kids going back to college be like, oh, yeah, I know. Amen. Come on, preacher. Yeah, that final is not so fun when you're up all night, is it? In Jesus' name. That was good. Thank you, Lord. I'd say that timing was perfect. I love church, man. It doesn't happen anywhere else. But my tendency is to know the, what I, where I want to go, right? And I'm ready to just charge for my Lord, direction, yes, thank you. And then I just go. I'll make the plan myself. I'll, I'll do what I think I need to get done. The problem with doing it this way is the whatabouts. See, the whatabouts will get you. My usual MO is to know the direction to go, 
but I'm not always prepared for the what about. So I'll give you an example. When I was, uh, I, the first thing I put together, I prayed, I was like, God, we need to have this prayer gathering because we need to intercede and we need to pray for the youth and we need to pray for the, the, the island. We need to do all these things. And I feel like it was God led. And then it was the worst thing I've ever done because I wasn't prepared for the whatabouts. Like a week before, people started asking questions. They're like, Johnny, what about food? What about, and my eyes got real big because I wasn't prepared for the things that were gonna come because I couldn't see them coming. Because what well, we, we have a tendency to do this. You guys ever do this? We have a tendency to pray about some stuff, but then we, that's where it stops. Like we pray, God, I want to do this. I hope you'll get on board. And then we just go ahead and make the plans and we go try to execute the plans. And what ends up happening is there's no way for us to see the things that could come. There's no way for us to understand that, oh man, I didn't think that person was going to do that. Oh, I didn't think that this was going to happen. I didn't think that, you know, we weren't going to be able to do it because and, and all the things that come because I wasn't prepared because I hadn't spent the time understanding the how we don't have a general patience enough in prayer. We get the what and the why, but we don't ever ask God the how. Right. We we know the what and the why. We get stirred up, like Nehemiah, we get stirred up to do something, to move, to get a new job, to start a new business, to, you know, go fix the world. And we know the what and the why, but we don't spend the time understanding the how, and the how matters. The how actually matters. And I don't know about you, because what ends up happening when you, when you just charge off with your plans... The whatabouts come, and because we're not prepared, it affects the end goal. It affects our ability to fulfill the call and purpose on our life. That's what we're going to talk about today, because Nehemiah understood something about the how. Nehemiah understood that the motives matter. Nehemiah understood that he didn't just need the what and the why, he needed the how also. And because he was willing to wait for the how, it changed everything about his ability to move forward well. And he was prepared for the whatabouts. We're gonna jump in and check it out. You ready? Okay. The whatabouts. We'll be in Nehemiah chapter two. And here's what it says. In the month of Nisan, which is not a car company. Just making sure. I don't know if it's still in the Bible or not. This isn't... There's some other jokes in there. I'm going to let it go. <laughs> this is March, April is when this is. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. Right? He's the cupbearer to the king. It was time for Artaxerxes to have his wine. He goes, takes a sip, doesn't die, so he takes the wine to the king. And here's what it says. I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. Now what you need to know, as you learn in Esther and other spaces in the culture and also the history of the Bible, bringing sadness or bad news to the king could mean your death. So for him to 
be purposefully sad in front of the king, not hiding it, was a risk. He was risking his life by being transparent about his heart and the, the matters in his heart. Now, he had an intimate, more intimate relationship with the king because of his job, but still he could lose his life by allowing himself to be seen as his heart indicated him to be. So the king asks, hey, what's going on with you? And then he says this, he says, I was very much afraid. See, along the way of fulfilling our call and purpose, there are things that come up. It is natural. Just because you have a call from God or direction to go doesn't mean that you're not going to experience fear, worry, doubt, those sorts of things, right? He's being very transparent. He's like, look, I was afraid. It's this acknowledgement that as we step into the call and purpose of God, there are the very natural things that come along and knowing the clear call that God has helps in, in the response to those things. And here's what he did. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the Lord live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Because Nehemiah put himself at the, at the throne of grace first, to the king of heaven first, he was able to clearly and honestly and transparently tell this king on earth what he needed. He was able to be clear and concise and honest because he had spent time at the throne of God before he went to the throne of Artaxerxes. The idea is that he talked to the right king first. Nehemiah talked to the right king first. And that makes all the difference, right? When we start on the earthly relationships and the earthly permissions, before we start with the heavenly permissions, we get real skewed real quick. And here's what he says. He tells him, I was afraid, but I said to the king. And then he told him. And he did something very strategic. And and here's what we have to understand. Like, none of us are this smart. Because we can't see the future, we don't understand. Without that four months with God, I don't think he would have had the discernment and wisdom to word his request like this. Because if he would have said, I want to go, I have a burden for the Israelites living in Jerusalem, I want to go rebuild the city of God, he probably wouldn't have landed on the ears that it landed on, right? Because it was a tender subject in the kingdom. Right? They've been exiled. They've been taken over. So for them to go assert his desire to go rebuild the city that was taken over. So he said, where my fathers are buried, where the gates lie in ruins. He was a very smart, it was very wise for him to say it that way. And the reason he was able to do that was because he spent time with God first, looking at the how, not just the what and the why. The king said to him, what is it that you want? Now, this is the crux. This is where the rubber meets the road. What is it that you want? See, Nehemiah now realized that he had the answer. The fact that he was said, what is it that you want? That was a yes. Now, what comes after is really important. Now you have the king's favor to go do it. Now, what does he say? And this is great. Have you ever been on that journey like God's telling you to do something? You start walking through and the doors kind of start to open, Right? Like, okay, it looks like he's with me. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go through this one, Lord. The king said, what do you want? 
Am I still going the right direction? Seems like you're with me. We keep following that thing. And here's what he does. Right here is where we usually get off track. What is it that you want? Oh, I got a yes. I'll just go do what I want. Here's, let's see what Nehemiah does. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. He didn't sit down with his list first. He stopped in the moment and he prayed and asked God, okay, God, are you with me? I want to make sure that I'm still in the right way. I want to still, I'm working on the house still. Am I still going the right direction? Are you still in it with me? You guys ever had that before? See, this is, this is how we operate in my house. Like when we get in a fight. Before I respond, I pray. Oh, it doesn't work like that in your house either? Okay, good. Sheesh. Man, I didn't know how far I'd get that going. Y'all didn't believe me. That's good. It doesn't work in my house either. But it worked for Nehemiah. See, because when we don't do that, what do we do? We respond in our flesh, in our desires, in our, in our will, in our way, and it just blows the whole thing up. But he knew after that four months of fasting and praying that he still needed to stay connected to God even in the moment. And before he gives the detailed description of what he wants, he says, I prayed to the God of heaven. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his eyes, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. He gave a very clear, concise, wise request. Because God had revealed not just the what and the why of the vision, but the how. Because he had spent time discerning that with God for those four months. He goes on, he says, then the king with the queen sitting beside him. That reveals that it wasn't probably a public party that he did this, but it was a much more private setting because the queen was present. He asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? What about? Here's where the what abouts came. He said, yes, you can go. Can you give me some details? Now, when you procrastinate like I do, these are the questions that you abhor. These are the questions that send you reeling a little bit. This is the reason why we have a church staff and not just a pastor. Because there's a lot of whatabouts that are around in order to be prepared for fulfilling the call that we have as a church. Yes, Lord. And he said, what time will you be back? And, and because Nehemiah had spent time in patient prayer, he was able to be prepared for the answer. And here's what he says. He set a time. It says, it pleased the king to send me. So I set a time. He gave him a schedule. And then on top of that, because he could see what he needed, he knew there would be opposition. He understood that the way there was dangerous. And because he knew he'd need supplies, he had it figured out before he asked the question initially. And here's what he says. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they'll provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I please have a letter to Asaph, camper of the king's forest, so that he will give me timber 
to make the beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of God was upon me, the king granted my request. Two things. Not only did he ask to go, but he knew that he needed to ask for safe travel. So he was asked to be sent with a letter, right? In order to get there. And on top of that, he knew that he'd need supplies. And so he had, he had already figured out, oh, hey, I'm going to need some timber. I'm going to need some wood to fix the, fix the walls. Because he spent time in patient prayer learning the how, he knew what to ask for before he left. He was prepared for the call that he had because he had spent that time in patient prayer. And it says, and because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my request. When you start, when you're used by God, there's this real slippery slope that we live on. Especially when people start telling you you're doing a good job. We seek and desire praise from people. We all know this. Are we all on the same page like this? We all need that. We all want that. Nehemiah said he was giving credit where credit was due. When the plan succeeds, instead of taking credit for himself, like, dang, I'm pretty smart. I had a lot of wisdom and discernment on that. Mrs. Nehemiah, I don't know if it was my, she wasn't, that was a joke. But he could have taken that and said, I'm doing a great job. Instead, he said, it was because of the gracious hand of God that I'm finding success. Now, you need to understand, Nebuchadnezzar didn't do that. Y'all remember this when he did this? They basically praised him as God, and because he internalized it and took it as his own, he got, he got the smackdown. He ended up, you know, eating grass and growing like feathers and his nails went all gnarly. There was another king who did the same thing and he, got, he died on the spot because he did not acknowledge God, that he wasn't God. And this is something that we have to consciously and be mindful of when we are walking and trying to fulfill the plans of God in our life and for the church, that we always, always, always understand that the gracious hand of God is why we find any success in the movement of the kingdom of God in our life. It's not because of us. As prepared as we could be, it's not because of us. Because the gracious hand of God was on him. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officials and a cavalry with me. Not only did he get safe passage, but the king was pleased to send a whole army with him. When Sambalot, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. He knew, Nehemiah going into it, knew that there was not going to be the easiest travel. Right? It took about three months for them to arrive at Jerusalem. In that three months, they had to go through places that weren't the safest, and so that's why the letters were important. And there were these officials who were disturbed that someone was stirred up about the Israelites because they hated them. Their intention was to keep them down, right? When you go to take over a country and you exile them and you take them into slavery, your intention is not to promote them and help them to do better. And so there were people, because they didn't understand that God was in charge of things, that something was going on and they didn't want it to happen. So three months goes by and they finally arrive. 
What we do in the meantime also matters. The how, listen. When you have this vision, when you have this direction from God, right, sometimes it takes a bit to get where you need to go to fulfill the purpose, right? It's not like you go and pray like, okay, Lord, let's do this. I'll be ready by Thursday, right? And then he's like, okay, by Friday, you should be exactly where you need to be. It'll all be done. Like that, we don't see that through the scriptures. That's not even what happened. Think about Jesus, when he bore the cross, it's not like they carried him on a carpet to the, to the cross and nailed him up there and stuck it. No, he took that beam and he had to walk. Right, the Via Della Rosa, it was a journey and it was filled with suffering and it was filled with difficulty. But he had a very clear call and a very clear purpose and God had revealed the how and he was committed to the how. So it took him three months to get to Jerusalem. If it took you three months to fulfill what you wanted to do, would you still do it? Would you keep driving that far? Would you walk that far? Would you ride that far? If it took three months to fulfill whatever purpose, would you be willing to do it? If you sat for four months, God, this is what I'm stirred to do. He says, yes, he tells you the how, but then it takes three months to get there. Will you be committed to that? I think that Nehemiah was praying. I think that Nehemiah was conversing with God along the way to make sure he was still going the right day, to find what he needed to fulfill his call. Then it says this in verse 11. It says, I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley and he goes in and he examines the walls. He examines the well. He examines the gates. He goes out at night and he's circling and he's going back and forth, trying to examine and understand exactly what needs to be done. See, to this point, he hadn't seen it. He knew what he was supposed to do, but now he was getting a detailed understanding of exactly what it was going to take to fulfill his purpose. And it says in verse 16, the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Three months he arrives there and then doesn't do anything for three days. Doesn't do anything for three days. Like, when I go someplace and I want to go do, like, you know when you go, like, on a trip and you get there, you're not, like, waiting three days to go snowboarding. You're not waiting three days to go shopping. Right? You're not waiting three days to go on the rides at Disneyland. When you arrive someplace, you were like, park the car, put the bags in the room if you can wait that long. Right? You might get lunch and then you're gone. It's time. Right? He gets where he needs to go. He sees, he knows it's in shambles and he waits three days before he does anything because he was a man of patience. One commentary, uh, commentary says this, I like this. A man of patience, Nehemiah waited three days before taking any steps. The enemies were watching and Nehemiah had to be wise and cautious. Think about that. When people are gonna oppose you and you know it, you have to be wise and cautious as you go to fulfill the purpose of God. Later, he would discover, right, that he had enemies among even the Jews. By night, listen, by night, he investigated the situation, keeping his counsel to himself. He was awake when others were sleeping and concerned while others were at ease. He saw more of the situation at night than others could see in the light. He was concerned when everybody was else was at ease. He was passionately burning 
And instead of going and like, as soon as he gets there, going and just like, all right, let's start brick and mortar. Let's put these things back. He took time again to seek the Lord, to assess the circumstances so that he could move forward the right way in an effort to do what God had called him to do. He was a patient man. I was going to talk about patience this morning, but who wants to do that? But I think if we're going to fulfill the things that God has asked us to do, patience is going to be absolutely necessary. Even goes on last night or last week, rather. That before we respond, are we praying? Are we fasting? Are we seeking God before we react and respond to things? Same thing goes, patient prayer, patient prayer in order to understand what's needed and necessary. And then I, I love this. This is what he says in verse 19 or 17. rather. Then I said to him, you see the trouble we are, that we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. Not only was he patient in prayer, but by the time he spoke to people, by the time he spoke to people, he was able to challenge the people to notice their situation, right? How many times do you see a problem in the world and it seems like nobody else sees it? Come on. This is 2021, right? Which means we just went through 2020. How many times have you seen a problem and it doesn't seem like anybody else around you understands? They're just living in it. He said, don't you see our city lies in ruins? And then he gave him clear direction, a call to action because he was prepared. He was able to help them notice the problem and call them to action because he was prepared. And he was prepared because he'd been patient in prayer. That's a lot of peace. And he says, come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. We will no longer be in disgrace. And he said, listen, I already have permission from the right king first and also from King Artaxerxes. And we're ready to go. We have everything that we need to go do what we are called to do. And he wasn't a one-man ministry. He challenged the leaders of the remnant to work with him. Not for him, but to work with him to accomplish the task that he felt God had called him to do. And he goes on and he says this. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. You can read 19 and 20. It refers to the opposition that started coming from Sambalot and Tobiah and the others. And we'll get into the need for perseverance, but today we're going to talk about preparation. See, patient prayer clarifies our call and prepares us for action. What is it that God is stirring in you? What is it that he is calling you to do as a Christian man or woman or a Christian boy or girl? Because your call as a Christian has no bearing on age. You could be 100 years old and you still have purpose. You can be 15 years old and you have purpose. I know junior hires who got involved in helping with the trafficking problem in the world because they were stirred to do so. But patient prayer clarifies our call and prepares us for action. 
What is it? What are you stirred up to do? What are you stirred up in this world about? A couple weeks ago, we talked about the body of Christ and how we all have these different passions and desires and gifts and how we all have to do those things in tandem. We're not all one thing, right? But we all have passions and desires and things that stir us and we have to be faithful to do that. Well, if it's broken families, what is it? What do you have to do? Have you spent time praying and seeking God's face? Have you asked him not just the what or the why, but have you asked him about the how? What if it's for, we have this wonderful single mom's ministry. What about single parents? Do we, are we prepared for the whatabouts? If it's about leadership in the church, if it's about relationships, if it's about racism, if it's about gender problems, if it's about fit, fit, whatever, fill it in that you're stirred up about. Before you do anything and take a step any direction, have you been patient in prayer? Have you asked what, why, and more importantly, how am I supposed to do this, God? Am I prepared to move forward? So that when you are shown favor and the door does open, are you able to have the answers that God has given you to have? You might not know the full end, but you trust that God is in it because he's revealed that he's in it. See, I think if we would be patient in prayer, we might find that the path looks a little different. It doesn't make it easier, right? It doesn't make it easier. Let's just talk about sharing the gospel, right? Let's talk about something easy, something we all do every day, something that we don't worry about and it's not hard. It doesn't scare us. All the other things are difficult. This is easy. Let's talk about sharing the gospel. You're on your knees praying God reveals to you a person or a name. Now, I'm sure this happens to you often, so I apologize for telling you something that you deal with all the time. Somebody gives you a name, right? When you get the name, what do you do? Do you keep it on your knee? You just pray about it for, you know, which is good. Please keep praying about it. But if God reveals that you're supposed to go talk to him, you know what you do. Lord, did I really hear you right? You want me to do what? You want me to go tell him? You want me to go talk to him about it? What do you do? Patient in prayer, God, tell me how. Tell me how. This, I'm going to show you. Can I show you? Because I think that if we can get this on, a, on the basic level of sharing the gospel, we'll start to understand the how in a lot of other areas. Chris, I'm always picking on you. But like, Lord, I'm supposed to go pray for, for uh, sorry for those online, this doesn't move so that I'm totally not on the thing, but they can hear me. God put Chris on my heart. You want me to go tell him? Okay. Hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm Johnny. Nice to know you. Hey, can we go have breakfast or lunch? Yes, great. You know what I do? The first step is to build a relationship to understand and know this man so that I might understand his need and invite him to know Jesus who actually can take care of his need better than anything that I can do. And along that way, it's not easy, is it? Because I might tell them, like, hey, have you met Jesus? Be like, man, I want to hear about that mess. I don't want to hear about Jesus. You know what I have to do? I have to go home and keep praying. I'm going to come back again. I'm going to keep loving him, and then I'm going to keep loving him until I die. 
so that this man will know the love of God through Jesus. You know what you need to be prepared for that? Thick skin, an understanding of the gospel, and a desire to glorify God above glorifying yourself. And it's the same thing Nehemiah needed to get to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall, and it's gonna be the same thing that you need to investigate and understand what God is calling you to do in every area of your life and in this world. Nehemiah needed thick skin, and he was prepared to do it because he was patient in prayer. Because he was patient in prayer. You can go read Proverbs 16 and 21, and it talks about how we plan a lot of things in our life, but the Lord weighs the motives of the heart. The Lord plans our steps. And if the Lord's not in it, it won't succeed. And that no plan against the Lord will succeed. Nehemiah was on the right track because he talked to the right king first and because he was patient in prayer. And that is why he was prepared for action. Here's my challenge to you. Whatever God is stirring in you this week, set aside some time. Put down, put down your phones and set aside some time to be patient in prayer. Seek the Lord and not your newsfeed. Seek the Lord's how and not your blog post. Get in the word and understand what he is telling you and then step into it with courage and in prayer and then in some more prayer and then keep asking him as you're going so that you can continue to know whether or not you are walking in his way. Your preparation will only come through that patient prayer. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that Anything spoken that's not of you, I pray that would fall away and that no one would remember anything. God, but if you are speaking to us through your word, if you have something, let it sit deep in our hearts and that it would convict us and challenge us and encourage and equip us to go do what you're calling us to. God, we have this amazing joy to join you in your work, to be a part of this crazy thing, extending the kingdom of God here on earth. Family, we're going to finish our service like we always do in prayer. And I'm going to ask those who would uh, come and help us pray to come to the front so that they'll be ready and available to you. If you need to pray, come on. During this last song, I would love to invite you to pray with somebody. If you need to pray for somebody, you're welcome to come up and pray with us. If you need to know Jesus, this is a great place to start. It's a great place to start. So if you would, would you stand to your feet? Those of you who will come help us pray, please come forward. And we're going to sing this song together and then we'll close.